0: So saith the wise Alondo. When the shadows descend upon the land, our divine laws will walk alongside us as equals. So saith the great Alondo. The world shall walk to the earth. I know such a
1: Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the games beyond Baldur's Gate. This is episode 60, and we're playing Torment Tides of Numenera. I'm Cameron.
0: I'm Danny. And this is, uh, I think this might be the final episode of Torment colon Tides of Numenera. We were meant to record
1: this episode Mm -hmm. a week ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And would you like to to sum up what occurred uh, when I spoke to you at nine
0: p.m. Eastern time uh, on that fateful day one week ago? There are like two canonical to... instances of rage quitting and range touch history. <laughs> the first happened. The first happened as I slammed down like a, a big metal grate. The first mm-hmm. happened, God, probably sometime in. 2010 or 2011 mm-hmm. when Cameron and I long before, you know, Range Touch brand existed um Cameron and I were on a PVP circle in Minecraft a oh, PVP okay. server and we had created a little fortress behind a waterfall and we were, we were mining and we, we were exploring. And uh, as Cameron was outside getting some wood, uh, a person in da- full diamond armor and like a diamond sword just like chopped him up. And we appear and, and then he, he went down into the mine and found me and he, and he did that to me and then he took all of our stuff. And we appeared maybe, you know, a 20 minute walk away at the spawn point. And Cameron just, just like, I heard like a drawer being closed or some, some other like uh, sound of finality. And, and he was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And that was the last time we ever played a PvP server on Minecraft. And the second happened one week ago when, <laughs> when I was told, oh, yeah, it's about another hour. And I, play, and I played like to, an... To,
1: to be fair, <laughs> it only took me, like, I, the, if I look at my video file, all the way through the credits I have recorded, mm-hmm. an hour and 20 minutes. Okay? Yeah. So I wasn't trying to steer you wrong here.
0: But I, so I played and I thought, oh, I think I'm just almost there. I'm not even going to finish. We'll just record. I think I'm just one screen away. And we start and... uh and Cameron said, and I described where I am, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm trying to get some sphincter muscles relaxed." And Cameron tells me, "You still got an hour," and I just lost it. <laughs> and I basically implied that this game is just a nexus of suffering that is plaguing the planet.
1: You you said, "I wish I I wish that I'd had the foresight to been record just begin recording audio mm. because you said not only that this game is bad." But you said maybe every every isometric RPG is inherently bad, mm-hmm. and then you said if I experience even a little bit of this kind of emotion <laughs> uh, playing the next game, we might not do another one. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That so it was. you
1: really went scorched earth with your feelings.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a bad time. So here we are. I have. I, I gave myself another two hours. I've completed this game. Um, and I will never play it or after this episode think about it again because this is the beauty of having a podcast. You don't have to remember anything because it's just recorded somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I will say this because, you know, I've beaten this game before. I reviewed this game when it came out. And as I've said several times in the show, I just don't really remember these things, some of these things that happened in the game. Mm-hmm. And now at the end... I think maybe I forgot them on purpose.
0: Oh, God.
1: Like, maybe I scorched them from my
0: mind. Did you go back and read your review? No. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the gist of your review was? I feel like you probably remember writing it, right?
1: I do. I mean, I think I liked it. I remembered liking it. Hold on, let, let me go. Let's do this right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see what my takeaway is. Headline. Torment. Tides of Numenera is like playing through a novel.
0: I did not write that headline. Mm, Okay. Yeah, I was about to ask you how much editorial control you get over headlines in the various publications Mm, you appear in. Basically none. Mm. Um,
1: This is for Pace Magazine, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I say that it uh so yeah so basically i I, looking at i do remember writing this um so i ended up comparing it quite a bit to other things that i was interested at the time interested in at the time so i say that it's like brandon graham's uh profit comic books and it's like Mm -hmm. fifth element a little bit and it's a little bit like perdido street station um and i said it had a lot of like conceptual scope um, so I think I was like kind of enchanted by the, the ninth world stuff. Um, I talk about how crisis crises are pretty cool and I still think they are cool mm. in a general sense.
0: Um, even if they don't work out great all the time. Um, your last sentence of this review is if only everything was this way.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I said it's an excellent <laughs> game that delivers an engaging story, which I guess is probably true. Um, and that's what's expected and desired from Torment Tides of Numenera. Sometimes it's clunky and other times it is sluggish, but mostly it's an engaging game that rarely disappoints. Um, I think that's probably all true. I think that, I mean, at the time, I had not been mainlining isometric RPGs for three years. Mm. <laughs> so so I think my, in, my context is a little bit different. Um, yeah. I think I... I think I like it more than Planescape.
0: Yeah. So this would have been... You wrote this review over two years ago. Yeah. This is 2017. Yeah. The beginning of 2017. Um, There has been a lot of, like... You've you've had a lot of this genre experience since then. Since then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I would say the last time that I played one of these games before this would have been Planescape and that would have been in like 2012 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. so it had been five years since I'd really like gotten into one of these games Um, and then immediately after this basically we started Mages of Murder Dads yeah so um, yeah okay well Um, do you want to an important bit of just additional thing I played this right after I played Divinity Original Sin which I really did not care for
0: mmm and Divinity Original Sin, I think, is probably outside the scope of this podcast um, in a lot of ways. I just don't think yeah. that it's in that lineage of games. Uh, I think this game's only admitted because Planescape, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think Divinity Original Sin 2 probably is closer, weirdly enough. Um, just because mm. it doubled down on kind of narrative stuff where the our first one I thought was kind of narratively light. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a long thing of going through my own review of a thing, but that's all to say, um, I think this review is still correct, mm. um, even if I think in context it is, uh, I have different feelings about the game.
0: Sure. Um, I by. think that I think that you gave the story summary last time. Yeah, and people hated it. Well, people are just confused. They, like I'm, I'm seeing people in the Discord saying, I have no idea what's going on. You know, they're, they're deeply confused. Let me set them all straight. Okay. okay. Do it. Alright. I'm gonna do it a little bit different this time. I'm gonna this try this
1: episode for this game. So go go hard on it,
0: yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory. So there is an entity called Okay, let's see the back up even further. We're we this game takes place in the Ninth World, which is a fantastical world dreamed up by Monty Cook, and the here's the idea. Deep time. This is the ninth iteration, like the ninth time civilizations have, have, have kind of clawed their way back from the dirt. So we've got a lot of mysterious technologies that are virtually indistinguishable from magic. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, interdimensional beings and strange cults and, you know, so, so all that stuff. In any case, a big part of this world is this entity called the Changing God, and the changing God is this very powerful being that in some small part or like in large part is powerful because the changing God uh, has is, is virtually immortal due to the fact that the changing God is always creating like new bodies To inhabit, to continue their life, and they absorb. They continue to like grow their collective memory. And when they're done with the body, they just cast that body off, and that being continues to live in some ways like a fragment of this reincarnation divinity. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. We begin the game as the last cast off, so the most recent time the changing god, you know, performed like this metamorphosis type deal and we begin the game and we slam into the earth we're in we're in this uh in this situation where we slam into the earth we gain consciousness as we're falling um there's this broken contraption called a resonance chamber we meet some people i think oddly enough the people we meet at the game isn't like super story important so i'm gonna like i'll I'll try to like get more into into like the the texture of the plot rather than the characters um So we break this resonance chamber, and at first we're just kind of stumbling around the world. We're trying to figure out what's going on. What is the deal? We learn a great deal about the changing god. We learn a great deal about the various kind of organizations which represent the changing god and kind of the other movers and shakers. And we know from the very first time when we crash into the earth that there's Allagern and Calistig, I believe.
1: Calistigus.
0: Calistegis. So,
1: so I've been saying Calistega this whole time. Mm. and Because I that's finally... how it's spelled. Yep. Um, mm. I One of my NPCs said her name. Mm. Calistegis.
0: So those two, when we land, we find out, oh, this thing is a resonance chamber. It's important. If we could get this fixed, it would somehow... Dot, dot, dot. I am... So could you fill me in at this point in the plot? Tag team in. Why is the Residence Chamber important at the beginning? We know it's important, but why? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If only everything could be like this. (laughs) Mm, Hmm. Whoops.
1: (laughs) Um, They say that the Residence Chamber is going to help me figure stuff out, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, learn about my past, blah, blah, blah.
0: Basically, so basically the situation is I've got a lot of questions about who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm asking them the questions and they're saying, hey, we don't have the answers, but the key to this mystery is the residence chamber. So cool. We then go on a really long goose chase to find out who can repair this residence chamber. We meet some folks on the way. Eventually, we are pointed in the direction of a sanctuary. We have to go through an ancient tomb, like catacombs, to get to the sanctuary. We wait, get to the,
1: Hold on. Wait, wait. There's an important part. There is need. an
0: important that I am leaving out. So as we are leaving our un, like unconscious mind after we land, um, a being called only the Sorrow... Uh, infiltrates our unconsciousness and begins unta- attacking our unconsciousness, we're barely able to escape it, and we are, like, informed, oh, the uncon like, this thing is called the Sorrow, and it's after all of the cast outs, right? hmm Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. uh,
1: that unconsciousness is called the Labyrinth. hmm And we do know who's going to uh, repair the Resonance Chamber for us. It's a guy named Mazov. Yes. We, through, in part of our goose chase, go into a mirror caster, which is like a memory device, and Mm -hmm. we meet Mazov. And
0: and we find out that we are unique. Like, our unique power among the castoffs is we can change the past when we use the mirror caster, which is not typical.
1: This power does not matter at all.
0: No, there is a revelation that this exists. Which it seems like, oh, man, this is the crux of it. but
1: Yes, but does not, does not fundamentally matter. But we meet off in there, so he knows who we are. And the only reason I say that is that he comes up again toward the end of the game. But yeah. We end up in uh, Miela Vest, the sanctuary of the castoffs. Go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, talk to a couple people. Uh, We do the mirror caster thing again to go back into other people's minds to try to figure out some secrets. But oh no, the sorrow comes back. The sorrow's there. Uh, The sorrow wrecks everybody. We run away from the sorrow. And then we, um, we have to jump through a portal and we pop out in some strange place called the Bloom, which is basically... It's it's a giant, incredibly powerful organism um, that is that is psychic and and mysterious, and there's a whole little like society living in the bloom. And last episode we dealt with the kind of the first steps of attempting to attempting to find. Uh, you know, the, we're basically at this point searching for the changing God. We're trying to get a face to face here, um, but we keep running into all of these, all of these fetch quests. And the and where we ended last episode was we found this uh, political leader called the Mimovira, and the Mimovira tasked us with finding. Uh, an individual that was important to the Mimovira, but we know that the that individual was somehow consumed by the Bloom, and we would have to go to the heart of the Bloom to to free this individual, which seems like a really tough ass because the Bloom is this, I don't know, gargantuan entity with near-limitless intelligence and power.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, unknowable. It's like yeah. you're inside of Cthulhu, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, also- and it's
0: just, like, you're so insignificant... Cthulhu doesn't care. You're, you're just like the same way us human beings have, you know, bacteria floating around in our stomach. Cthulhu's fine with that, you know.
1: It loves it. Mm-hmm. You're doing all that work. It's just like uh, gut flora.
0: Yeah, you know? probiotics. I
1: bananas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that, that person's name is Ishin, and the Mimovira says, listen, I know that you're looking for the first. Okay, because the first is the first cast off. The first cast off and the Changing God have been in like an eternal battle, literally called the Endless War, not the Blood War. It's different Mm -hmm. for some reason. Um, they've been locked in this battle for forever, and I guess we want to ally with the first or talk to the first? This is very unclear to me.
0: Yeah, so I, it's kind of a ch- like this is the background and it's kind of up to the player to choose how they approach this political battle. But yeah, it is very much a God casting Lucifer down type situation. The changing mm-hmm. God... Uh, the very first incarnation, like the first cast off, uh, has been leading a a rebellion against the Changing God and uh, desires to basically stop the Changing God doing what they're doing and to like give freedom to all of the cast offs, like sever the Changing God from the collective memories and existence of the rest of the cast offs so the cast offs can like lead their own little lives. Um, whereas the Changing God, we don't know much. I feel like I I ultimately figured out all of the motivations of the Changing God here at the end, but I think there were hints before that the Changing God wants to uh, call back all of the castoffs and subsume them and, like, rob them of their bodies.
1: Yeah, because when we meet the Changing God... A couple episodes ago right Mm -hmm. We're in the labyrinth and we meet the changing god It just tells us this straight up Mm -hmm. Before that there's no evidence of this Of this motivation And in fact I think that a lot of the motivations um, That are revealed in this last Hour or so of the game Might be hinted at But uh Well we'll talk about when we get there Mm -hmm. I think there's some like I don't know um,
0: Some real patchwork Storytelling going on Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Maybe. But yeah, that leads us up until the present. The present is we are on a fetch quest, right? Like this is a we need to go find this guy to get past the next plot bottleneck, which is the Mimovira is like, oh, I'll, I'll help you. But you need to find this person first. And yeah. here we are. We're, we're here in a big old gut. So,
1: I cannot tell you how I started looking for Isshin. I think eventually I just... Um, so, I went to immediately to the Dracogen, and I said, Hey, do you know where Eshan is? Mm-hmm. And the did not help me out at all. So, I just started going everywhere that I had not been yet, and mm-hmm. talking about it. Eventually, I ended up in the big, like... Um, It's a temple
0: or something. I don't know. It's in that big head. Yeah, that's that's where I went. Is I talked to one of the merchants, and the merchants were like, "Hey, how about that uh, that temple over there?" Um, I walked in and talked to someone, and gee whiz, it was easy because that person just like, "Oh well, there's a portal right there on the wall,
1: right over there."
0: Yeah, I I do think that temple's pretty cool because it's a temple
1: dedicated or in service to the first person who was in the Mimovira's position, basically the first person to like make an alliance with, uh, the bloom. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. A little bit mm-hmm. of storytelling, but, uh, so yeah, so there's a ma there and you have to feed a predator into it.
0: Hmm. So how'd you do that? I said, I said Hey, Matt Kena get going.
1: Well, so this, this is interesting. I also fed a party member into it. Um, what did that conversation look like with Matt Keena?
0: I had to do some convincing. I said, "Matt Keena, get over there." Matt Kina was like, "That seems like bad. That's bad. This thing is powerful and bad." And I said, "Oh, are you chicken?" And uh, and Matt Kina was like, "Oh boy!" And I did the same thing I did with uh, Allagern when I needed through that portal uh to the starship enterprise basically i uh i told makina was like oh i need some help here and i was like let let it go let it let it feed a little bit more and eventually it opened and makina was not happy so you've
1: currently you've got three party members and you've really pissed two of them off right? correct
0: yeah tiber though we're we're tight because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been fed to one yet no
1: um I, I had. Uh, I'm just gonna keep saying Calistica for uh, yeah for uh, continuity purposes. I mean, I has not. the
0: YouTube corrected us? That's the real no. question. No, God, oh. the shame on the on the on the Rangers around the world <laughs> <laughs> for uh, not knowing the canonical pronunciation of that character.
1: Um, but you know, she's kind of like some or surrounded by her sisters. You know, Mm -hmm. she broke herself in like time and space, and so there are all these echoes of her in different realities that are swarming around her. And so I said, "Look, you should just go jump in that thing. We need to get through it." And she said, "Uh, "Well, why would I do that?" And I was like, "Aren't you interested in what could happen?" (laughs) And she said, "Yeah, I am. Gosh, you know me so well. I am." It
0: truly is Hellraiser. I want to experience all the pleasure and the pain. (laughs) It's (laughs) indistinguishable phenomena.
1: Um, and uh, so she goes up, and the the writing is pretty cool because basically what happens is the the Maw tentacles are kind of flowing through her, and they're spectral and all that kind of stuff. And um, they grab one of her alternate reality versions of herself, mm. and they like consume that one and like rips it away from her body and all that kind of stuff. So in a probable, you know, in a probable universe, one of those tentacles just murdered her
0: how does she feel about that
1: uh she was like uh, it was painful i think but she wasn't mad at the end of the thing mm. she wasn't like why'd you make me do that she was like oh i learned a lot mm-hmm. so it was pretty cool so that takes you to the gullet
0: mm. Hmm.
1: this is the most I, I i i i think the most baldur's Gatey kind of dungeon in the game
0: that is accurate. There is a Gygaxian kind of uh, environmental storytelling going on in this area. Unlike, I think the closest Baldur's Gate was actually the psychic inn or the psychic bar. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's like that one and this. Um, there is a fight that you can avoid and you can like basically pull a lever to shift the fight somewhere else, Right. Mm-hmm. Um and there are a couple of distinct rooms with their own little themes and their own little secrets. And you got to do things around the map to kind of uh to kind of prime the exit which is in the center.
1: Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the first one I yeah, there's like a fight going on because everyone who gets fed to a maw ends up in the gullet basically. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. If if the bloom eats you. And so these are people who are like being like existentially and ontologically dissolved and consumed.
0: They're being digested. Yeah, but it's not like... It's not physical digestion. It is a yeah. metaphysical digestion. <laughs> yeah. And so like what...
1: Like some... The guy you talk to talks about how some people just fade out. Some people like literally get absorbed. Um, Some people are... They're like possessed by illusions and things like that and Some people just dying. raise hell. Yeah. Some people just kick each other's ass because people here cannot die.
0: Mhm. The
1: the bloom doesn't let you go. So yes, yeah, there's there are a bunch of people, uh, like Dante's Inferno style just fighting each other, beating each other up for eternity. and I fused with some tendrils and gave mm-hmm. them some memories and they made them all go away. Mhm. There's a room with a
0: robot. Yeah. Um
1: Artaglio was in that room with the robot.
0: Yeah, I saw him. I made him. That was the guy that I made uh that I made travel and open a portal for me. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, I talked to him and uh now he's chilling out in the labyrinth. Yeah. He was
1: like, I was like, hey, man, if you don't like living here, you can just live in my brain forever. And he said, yeah, sure. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Way um, better than gullet living, I guess. I think so. <laughs> um, leaving that there's also, like, a, uh, there's also a place where you can rest. you just, like, slide into a big old globule.
1: I saw that on the map, and I don't think I used it. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, there's a basically, all that said, there's a big whirlpool in the center of yes. the Yes. And if you, like, there's a big robot that's being absorbed, and if you, I searched through that robot and got two different, like, spray cans. Like, yeah. Uh, like Quick Crete. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Or whatever. Some uh, some spray uh, silicone. And uh, so they're, like, all this liquid that's flowing out of the bloom into the whirlpool. And I sealed up one outlet, and I sealed up another, or blew up the other outlet. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was, like, a big tube that was whipping around, and I grabbed it with my nimble fingers, and I tied it off.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, did you find the rope to be able to get down softly, or did you just jump down?
1: Oh. I just jumped down.
0: So did I, but I'm pretty sure that there is a way to, like... Find rope, but I think you have to fight the the spirits that are that you can teleport around in order to get the rope
1: That would be helpful due to what occurs immediately after this.:
0: Oh, what occurs immediately after this?
1: <sighs> so the water level goes down
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: you're able to go into this hole when you jump down into this hole, you are in like the foyer Fo- foyer foyer. Yeah. The vestibule of the heart of the balloon.
0: The so chamber. Mm.
1: Mm. So you get in there, and it's a crisis. Do, 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 do.
0: Crisis. Crisis time.
1: T- time for a crisis. You but fools. We had vastly different experiences with this crisis. Yes. What happened for you?
0: So. This is, uh, it, uh, there's a phrase I draw that actually, uh, this is a quote from you, the first time I saw you fighting Ornstein and Smo, mm-hmm. um, which is, this is the nadir of gaming, <laughs> this is the, the lowest point. I thought
1: you were gonna say, uh, this is, uh, uh, this can't kill me because I'm already dead.
0: This can't kill me. Or, or, uh, this is Sando. He is my savior. Um, no. None of the hot takes. No, this is the near deer of gaming. Because this is a, so the crisis happens, and there are, basically, between you and your objective, there is kind of, uh, two walls. And, uh... Those walls can be bypassed via um, these little gates. And in order to open the gates, you have to kind of interact with them and do something. And for me, the only way I really figured out how to do something was through combat, like through bashing. Um, There are also two tentacles on like the antechambers on the far sides of the chamber that you can interact with. Um, And if you do that, I guess you can like control uh, you can try to mind meld and uh, control the these these doors, which are kind of biological in nature. they're kind of like valves almost of a heart, right? Yeah, yes um, so anyway, I immediately say I don't like combat in this game. It gives me it, you know it, it gives me a lot of indigestion, so I immediately say, I'm just going to brute force, try to get to the end point with a character as quickly as possible. And I do happen to send someone over to the tentacles, but it's not the last cast-off, so they can't, like, do anything over there. Um, and I bash through the doors. All the meantime, there are little beings, uh, like, attacking me. That is the defense mechanism of the bloom. And... I bash through the doors and then I kill those beings, but then that causes three more beings to spawn, and then by the time I get to the actual entrance to the heart, which is characterized as a sphincter, which never before has a game more aptly labeled, uh, a bottleneck or obstacle. Um, I none of my characters have enough stat pool to like do the thing. Which that is the bad. Which is kind of the nature of this game, right? It's like, okay, you rest, and you can do X amount of things Mm -hmm. on a probabilistic level, not even on a determin. Because like there was like uh, several times on the doors, I had like a seventy percent chance to open it, and like on two occasions with my seventy percent chance, it was like, no, sorry. Which is the most feel bad thing I've experienced in a game, easily. If you were DMing this session, you'd just give it to him. I think that the whole you'd, idea... you
1: the dice roll here.
0: I think the whole idea is you really don't want to even be in a position, and maybe this is like a topic for helpful homunculi, you don't want to be in a position in a tabletop game where this is a possibility, right? Where, it's, where like, something that anticlimactic... I can understand leaving it to fate when it comes to, like, pushing... Like, having a battle of wills with the... the heart of the bloom right but this is a door and like the idea of I don't know I just like playing this made me realize how the idea of failure is just you don't open the door it doesn't progress it's not yes and it's just okay well you don't open the door that action economy is gone like that is my least favorite part of games now I think that's one of the reasons why I've been you know, skewing towards more narrative-driven games. Because I just really don't like the idea of presenting the players with these options where it's either, oh, you succeed, and we get to continue with the story and, and experience stuff. Oh, you fail. Oh, nothing happens. Nothing I happens. I'm just you're dying in a pit forever. Yeah, nothing happens. I'm just going to... uh you know, maybe in maybe in another five minutes you'll get to experience the story. Won't that mm. be fun? Yeah, but this is... So uh, I had to reload, and when I reloaded, it was a normal combat encounter, and there were just, like, three guys, and I tried one more time of just running to the thing to activate it, but the enemies are strong enough to, like, three-shot my party, and they have AoE attacks. So I have to bottleneck them and like do a very tedious tactical game of killing them. And that takes like 15 minutes. And then after I kill them, there are no further respawns. Oh, by the way, here's the best part about this uh, thing. At the end of every initiative order, the bloom will just hobble all of your party members, causing their speed to be reduced by half.
1: Yeah, it literally just like earthquakes and knocks everybody down. Yeah. That is the worst part of the whole thing.
0: It's truly like insult to injury. Like, I, I know that you want to like do this combat encounter, but let me just like basically affect you with a status modifier that, uh, with a fettle, which You're talking reduces. About talk, yeah, I'm talking about fettles, which reduce your movement feed, speed by half. That's great. That's fun. How much money would we have to raise for charity
1: for you to get a tattoo that just says fettle? Like on your leg. Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand you would do it for ten grand? Absolutely. If we raise ten thousand dollars, you will get the word Fettle, F E T T L E,
0: tattooed on your leg. Yeah, I'll get it in uh whatever font y'all choose too. Oh wow. There'll be a poll at the end of the charity. That's amazing.
1: Okay, well, uh so I had a little bit different of a thing. Um and I <laughs> like I said, I didn't find the um Find the rope, and so I imagine maybe if you find the rope, then the combat or the uh, crisis doesn't start. I guess as soon as you hit the ground, Mm. one might assume. I don't know. Um, But so I got down there, and to my benefit, earlier in the game, when I was in the bloom, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. um, I found a big tumor, and the tumor would like absorb my emotions. So I just mm-hmm. kept clicking on it and giving it and thinking bad thoughts or whatever. And eventually an abicos, which we saw in the Fifth Eye Tavern, mm-hmm. it popped out and it jumped off the edge of where I was standing and disappeared.
0: Okay. Lo and behold,
1: that thing is down here now. Well, darn. So, so when the crisis starts, it's fighting the other, the the, the Blooms baddos. Okay. So I take my party
0: and I uh like shoot to the left side of the screen and i I'm glad that worked out. There's some weird stuff in the AI of this game which we're gonna to touch on later um regarding uh AI like the AI of the enemies and how strongly they uh they ignore or engage your party when there are other options.
1: It all worked out. Uh, importantly, when I got to the very end of it, I didn't have to do any skill checks like you're talking about. I used the trans-dimensional scalpel and just cut it open.
0: Mm, it all pays off. The old trans-dimensional scalpel.
1: Yeah, that uh, that thing is broken. It also allows you to kill people in the gullet. Mmm. So they don't come back. But, but yeah. Handy. So what did you see when you got through the other side?
0: There's the the Heart of the Bloom, and it's just a bunch of tendrils, and... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on.
1: Guess what? Wait, what? It's time for the Elminster Minute. What? See, so, yeah, I was thinking about Elminster uh, recently. You know, we've been playing this game that I haven't enjoyed uh, playing. I've been thinking about the good old days, you know, I've been Mm. looking forward to, uh, to getting into Icewind Dale and, you know, just enjoying the stuff that, that I do in the past. So I was looking up some Elminster quotes, um, there's one where he says, uh, you know, not even the gods took unto themselves the power to control ye or me so tightly that we cannot walk or speak or breathe, save at another's bidding. It is their will that we may be free to do so as we may. Slay a foe, sure, or defend thyself against a raider, but to strike down one who may someday menace thee, that is as monstrous as the act of the usurper who slays all babies in a land for fear of a rightful heir someday rising against him. Isn't that interesting? Damn,
0: that's uh, biblical. Well,
1: it's elementary. <laughs>
0: Was was Elminster just the... Anyway, that's the Elminster Minute. All right. Well, I am... uh, That came out of nowhere. Uh, I was... uh, I was going to say, no, I just went up to a big mass of tendrils and gave myself under the bloom to figure this out. What'd you learn? Well basically in order to like I wanted to like oh pull a tendril off but it was incredibly difficult even with like 10 might to do that I had like a 15% chance of success so I just let the tendrils um, drain me uh, drain my intelligence and I got some flashbacks from previous lives of the the changing god and, and maybe the first cast off and things and I think I may have learned some stuff about the changing God. What did you learn?
1: I I'm looking at my thing here. Um. So remember all the way back when we got those various different visions of... at the Sages Cliffs, right? Exactly. Um, I learned that those are not all like different. People are, you know, they're not, those are not just like images and, and ideas. Those are memories of different versions of the Changing God. Mm hmm. Um, and so I learned that uh, the first is one of the people that helped build Miela Vest. It was basically mm-hmm. built with the, between the Changing God and the first. Um, and. That's kinda
0: it. That's what you learned. Yeah. No, that yeah. there was a there was a woman uh, who's identified as the first that was helping the changing god, and I gave up those little morsels and then the tentacles spat out none other than the person we've been looking for this whole time. Ishan. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Um, Mazoff.
1: Yeah. This is just Mazoff. And I don't know why they didn't just say that to begin with. I don't understand the point of calling him something else. Um but yeah, and so he says, Oh dang y'all. Um I I've been working for the first, but importantly
0: the memo Vera
1: is the first. Yes. That's the other thing we learn, I guess.
0: That's how we we learn that from Mezoff. Mezoff's like, yeah, that person, it's the first. Oh man, I'm gonna go through this portal now. Bye. Yeah, he zips out.
1: I I is that a surprise? That the Mimovira is the first?
0: I think it's supposed to be. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't like, oh man, they were right there. I was okay. talking to them. Yeah, like, me neither. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you do the
1: Mircaster thing that he drops? He dropped it. I immediately went through the portal. Okay, so it's actually pretty interesting. It's, it's an interesting like gameplay section. Basically, mm-hmm. it's one of those like, first-person, choose-your-own-adventure things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about the fact that in the Endless Battle, the first army is still fighting the changing gods. Right? Sure. The way that that battle works is that they both have these big reality-altering war machines. Right, and it's the same war machine that was used in, uh, against the people who were invading Sage's Cliffs that we learned all the way back in, like, episode two.
0: The folks uh,
1: represented,
0: or th- that the genocide represents.
1: Exactly. Um, so it's the same weaponry. And anyway, so the idea is, like, you're one of these people that was, uh, that got out of Mila Vest, and you're on an undercover mission. You, like, go through this dungeon. It's a straight up, like, the, you know, you have a map, and you can go north east west south all this kind of stuff you navigate it and when you get to the end of the dungeon where you're going to uh, sabotage the other reality altering machine it's not there and you find out oh dang um the changing god knew i was going to get here and so altered reality in reverse time back to before um they destroyed oh i guess i should say the reason you're doing this is because he has destroyed your alt reality altering machine And so he reverses time to before that even occurred in order to make sure that you never get to his reality altering machine. Mm -hmm. So it resets to zero. It's some fun, like fantasy storytelling or sci fi storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it must power people up for like the big fight that happens toward the end. But ultimately, you could skip it. Gotcha. You went through the portal.
0: Yes, I went through the portal and then I immediately went to the guard at the Mimovira's camp. And guards like, "Hey, are you ready? If you go here, you're probably not coming back." And it's very like obvious game language. Hey, this is we're getting to the end here. If you want to do other things, don't do this. But I was like, "Yes, let's do it." Went in there. Memavira immediately is like, "Aha! I am the. I'm. I'm actually the first. I'm the. I'm the first cast off." Um. Oh, did, were we saying earlier that the Mimavira was the changing god? That's wrong.
1: No, I, I I said she was the first. Yeah,
0: I may have misspoke, but yeah, so the Mimovira is the first cast-off, uh, lost for these hundreds of years, supposedly, and the first cast-off reveals her plan, which is we are going to get rid of the Changing God... And sever and basically sever this continuous link, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, so that all of the castoffs can gain independence and like move on with their lives. And the first castoff believes that this act, um, which would require manipulating the resonance chamber, that this act would uh, would stop the sorrow's interests, right? The sorrow would no longer be interested. In pursuing all of these castoffs, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the pitch—I understood the pitch to be blowing up the tides, right? Which we, which we established, the tides are like interstellar Wi-Fi.
0: Sure, um, there. The tides are—it's almost like imagining if all of the if, like the alignment in Planescape and Dungeons and Dragons. Were an energy force that had, instead of like having manifestations like, "Oh, there's an archon," or "Oh, there's, a, there's like a little clockwork being that represents axiomatic alignment. Like they, they were more like an energy flow in some way. I don't know. That's how I've interpreted it based on the way tides work in terms of your own character's development, indigo tide, gold tide, etc. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you lose me? Um, you you can just keep
1: talking from wherever you from wherever you stopped.
0: Yeah. No, I I understood the tides to be more like kind of these this weird energy flow that's kind of a an amalgamation of uh, alignment and other stuff. Yeah, but it's all part of it's like all on the back of a network.
1: Because we've talked about that before, like mm-hmm. we, we got info, like a big info dump earlier about it. So, like it is about alignment and stuff like that. But the tides are also like an actual interconnection of information and materials and things like that.
0: It might be like the force.
1: It, it is like the force it, mm-hmm. exactly, but yeah, it,
0: but a little bit more techno
1: than mystical.
0: Hmm. Um. So anyway, I tell uh, the first cast off. Absolutely, let's do it. I, You know what? Very funny.
1: I did the same thing.
0: Yeah, it seems like that is the best thing to do. The Changing God has repeatedly attempted to kill me. Yeah, and that will kill you. Sure, I'm fine
1: with it. You know, so I think this is like a big problem in the game is it after immediately after all that stuff you have to do in the bloom and the heart of the bloom, I felt so incredibly nihilistic About mm-hmm. both my character and their actions In the
0: world that I was like yeah sure just let me die
1: Mm-hmm. Let it be over
0: Yeah this, this whole thing it's, I was very much in a uh, Extinguish the flame Mode a mm-hmm. la Dark Souls Right mm-hmm. um, Cousin So Cousin. This starts a Crisis where The Sorrow begins to invade and the objective is to uh, to keep away, you know, you know, to like stave off the sorrow long enough, right? Yeah. Because the, f- the,
1: the first brings in the resonance chamber, it is literally spinning around and mm-hmm. charging up its laser. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's spirit bombing all over the shit.
0: Uh, the first time I do this, I like go to try to be a part of the fight and the last cast off dies. So the second time I do this, I literally don't move any of my characters and just hit in turn every time, and I get through the encounter. Same. I bundled them up toward the start the top of the stairs, but I did the same thing. Hmm, I'm doing a chef's kiss right now. Mmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Great, great encounter. sometimes sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all. Okay. I-, I feel like until dawn continues to teach me lessons.:
1: I mean, that's the things you haven't learned a lesson yet. Mm -hmm. And you're requiring new experiences to do it So we do that Uh, The sorrow uh, explodes or whatever The chamber blows up Everyone gets shunted off into the labyrinth In your head This is where we learn what this whole game was about
0: Yeah Do you remember the ghostly woman? It turns out This is a very on brand game Because what this game is about Is a bad sad dad (laughs) It's just straight up. This is another game about a murder dad. Yeah, it.
1: Y- you know what? It really is. It we really re- came around to it in the end, it, didn't we? It
0: really. It it took this long, but we are incapable of choosing a game that is not about a murder dad. <laughs> well, you know, people often talked about uh, a few years ago the dadification of games, but really mm-hmm. it is the the murder dadification of games. Truly. Um, yeah, the ghostly woman. It just turns out that the reason why this whole thing started is that the Changing God um, lost his daughter. His daughter was put into a coma or some kind of you know stasis state to ward off disaster. Um, and the Changing God was like doing all this research to uh, to to try to bring her back. Is that more or less it? So. So earlier in the game,
1: we learned about uh, the man who defended Sage's Cliffs from the Tabot, which is yeah. the genocide and mm-hmm. all those people. And he created these big mind alter or world altering machines, reality altering machines. And we when that happened in the game, we thought, oh, that must have been the changing God, which is true. But it was the changing God before he was the changing God. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing to me. Is that it? It's just he's some guy.
0: Yeah, and I mean there was a period of time where he was some guy with one, with the first cast off, just working in concert with this weird reincarnated clone type figure.
1: Yeah, but that was bef- That was after this. It's after his daughter gets hurt. In yes. The siege. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, he makes her, and basically is like. Uh, you're just a clone, you don't matter As soon as I can figure out how to bring my daughter back Using this technology I'm gonna reabsorb you, blah 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 mm-hmm. um, And he becomes A bad-o mm-hmm. This is a lot like uh, What's that creature's name In the bottom of Irenicus' dungeon Who's so sad
0: You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about?
1: Yeah, We're not the Not the wood nymphs, right? Yeah, well, I, yeah, It's not the wood nymphs But the other guy, the guy in the in the thing he has Suspinar's voice but he's not so anyway yeah similar to that guy mm-hmm. the fish thing mm-hmm. who, who used to be his dog yeah yeah
0: um so yeah we meet this ghost this person uh after a puzzle sequence oh yeah yeah and uh yeah and you can heal there and you can go to the next room and uh And in the next room, there are two more choose-your-own-adventure sections where you relive vital moments of uh, the Changing God's origin story. Um, One is when the sorrow basically came after the Changing God kind of the first time, and the Changing God had to abandon the uh, stasis chamber of his daughter in order to survive. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other is a time when the Changing God was also running away from the Changing God and had to, like, get into an escape pod.
1: It is it is the moment right before the game begins.
0: Yes, there we go. This is the, the moment before the Changing God uh, casts you off, severs, yeah, severs this aspect of you. Mm-hmm. As, like, basically in the same way that a lizard, when attempting to running away, will sometimes detach its tail. Yeah. Is, is kind of the implication I got. Um, you were just a diversion. Or our existence is just a diversion. But crucially, this is, this is the big
1: deal to me here. And by the by, um, due to some weird visual glitch that I got, about half my screen was obscured <laughs> this entire time. Great. By a, uh, a tutorial tool, a tooltip pop-up. Um, So, I only got part of the story. But, in that second one, we are given the information that you are cast off, but the Changing God's brain, or or mind, does not transfer into the new clone. Mm -hmm. Right? I guess. The Changing God is dead. Like, I... Statement. At this point in the game, it is revealed to us that the Changing God as a figure who is running around in the world, does not exist. There is no changing God right now.
0: Yeah. So there is a changing God in that there is the idea of the changing God that continues to exist and exert pressure on the labyrinth. Right? Which is just in your head. Which is in my head. But also, the changing God took over a cultist in the Crystal Caverns. But... With, um, using like a brain transmitter thing, sure.
1: So my assumption is that that had to have been
0: the changing god in your brain. Yeah, th- I mean, I guess that's the biggest loophole I find in the in the explanation. But yes, and that basically, god- oh, mm-hmm. sorry, yeah, that basically the changing god as a as a dude running around is gone, died. mm Hmm.
1: And the changing God that is living in your brain doesn't know that a A, does not know that. (laughs) And B believes it is the changing God because it is an AI backup assistant. It is Alexa, the changing Mm -hmm. God,
0: which we meet the assistant, uh, in the second vision or in the first vision rather. Right. Uh, Um, both in both visions. Yeah. In both visions. Uh, you can talk to it, uh, in, in one of them, and kind of... So in one of them, it was interesting. I asked, oh, is there a teleporter backup? And I told the assistant, turn off the teleporter backup. I'm not leaving here without my daughter. And the assistant says, that's ridiculous. And I said, do it. And the assistant says, okay, I don't like it. And then I just, like, read in the crystal encyclopedia like some entries to get some backstory on the tides and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then the the sorrow bursts through, and the um, and I say, "Hey, I'm take me, just don't hurt my daughter." And then the uh, assistant like zaps me out and says, "I'm sorry, I'm gonna disobey your orders, but I've got to do this because if you die, I die." Um, and this pay may pay off later, but we'll we'll see. Well, that this is the end of the game. I yeah, yeah
1: I don't so. There's a conversation that happens between... No, you. I'm
0: saying it, it It pays off in the next scene, but I I, I don't want to say that now. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of,
1: like, what ends this scene, though, right? So Yeah, there. so
0: basically you go to those two things, and then after you activate those two things, you can... Uh, there's a cut scene where the entity of the Changing God in the labyrinth... Everything we've been talking about the last 15 minutes has been happening in our mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Changing God appears, the last cast-off appears. I think there may have been a scene before this where it was the Changing God and the last cast-off in an endless argument. Did that happen before this? Sure. Yeah. Um, They appear and I can talk with the Changing God and I can tell the Changing God various things. I I could like surrender and say, hey, no, you're right, you should totally do this.
1: Th- that that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you can basically take a side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I told the first I backed up the first and said, "You're right." And she said, "Why'd you do that?" and I said cuz you you're correct.
0: Mhm. Um I uh yeah. So the then there's after that is the two-door situation and then there this is like the final confrontation uh with the changing god. And I I chose like five dialogue options to attempt to convinced the changing god that they were not real none of them worked and the changing god eventually said you're just stalling and then we fought
1: dang
0: what happened with you
1: it worked for me i said you're not real and um i i guess had exhausted like every dialogue option for every conversation because i had like six pieces of evidence to prove it and i just clicked on all of them and presented all of them and the changing god said you know what you're right i'm not real and then dissipated
0: that did not happen for me that's a bummer yeah i clicked on five and eventually the changing god says you're just stalling and then a crisis happens the changing god rearranges the room so that there is a big gulf between myself and the first cast off and the changing god um and the changing god starts summoning monsters on one side of the room Um, The Changing God's daughter comes to me in a vision and says, hey, remember how I helped you out in that puzzle? I've given you the power to do that too. So now I can adjust the floors on the ground. So I create a pathway to the Changing God, and then I delete the pathway behind me so that none of the monsters that the Changing God is summoning can get to me. And then over the course of five rounds, myself and the, the first cast off kill the Changing God. Or rather, kill the changing God's apparition that appears in the mind palace, which is the labyrinth.
1: That seems like a uh, much less interesting end of the game than I
0: had.-hmm. And then we confront the sorrow.
1: Yeah, so so it's like, "Oh, you think that's the end of the game? It's not the end of the
0: game." No, now we got to confront the real the real big bad. And the sorrow's there and the sorrow's like, "Hey, you're pretty diligent. I'll actually talk to you. I, I know I've been just wrecking shit. But I
1: know I could have done this uh 14 hours ago,
0: but I respect you. Time. You are your travails and you're, you defeating the murder dad means that uh, I respect you. and I'll I'll hear you out. And the Sorrow basically lays out that the Changing God and all of these castoffs have, have been an abuse of the tides, that they've really been been wrecking havoc with the universe and causing all this suffering because the Force you know, is out of balance or what have you. Yeah, simply by existing, they mm-hmm. are like
1: messing everything up,
0: which to be fair is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, and the, the Sorrow explicitly points out, yeah, the Endless War is 100%. The changing god like this individual's choice to make reincarnated clones um but even so, i'm like running around through this whole game and anytime
1: anyone pisses me off i unleash the tides on them and like warp their brain or make or them send them to, to their are.
0: doom in the bloom
1: <laughs> exactly so um, it's just like yeah okay that's it's fair
0: fair 100 percent true um and I mean, basically what happens is I'm in a position where I can make a choice and the sorrow says, Hey, you can make your choice, but there are going to be consequences depending on what you do. Um, and I the, like the sorrow tells me, Oh, well the first cast off, if you do what the first cast off wanted you to do, like, yeah, you could do that, but I'm still going to hunt you all down because you're incredibly damaging to the, to the world. Like, your control over the tides is bad, so I'm still going to go after you. Um, and uh, eventually, I don't know how I ended up on this option, but eventually I was like, well, what if all of our consciousness gets zapped into the changing God's daughter's mind?
1: Yeah, because the uh, you can basically make the claim, or com- compressing all the cast stops into one person stops, like, the stretchy effect of of the being uh the changing god or part of the changing god so mm-hmm. if everyone who has this type of tide warping power is one person that one person cannot use the power mm-hmm. that's kind of like the bid and there's like a bunch of versions of that you can absorb everybody the first can absorb everybody uh the changing god's daughter xyz
0: i went with the changing god's daughter instead of me or the first because uh changing God's daughter hasn't had basically when she went into her coma or into that stasis chamber, the world was not fucked up in the way it is now. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the, like there have been, there's been irreparable harm to the universe and both myself and the first cast off have been a part of that harm. So I thought it was more prudent to give agency to this person that was not a part of the problem.
1: I mean, that seems fair. Yeah. I wouldn't be critical of that. I put it into the first. Mm. And she was like, Why do you do that? Why do you believe in me? And I said, I don't know if I believe in you necessarily, uh, but I believe that a lot of this is your fault, and now it's your responsibility. Mm. And so you can, the dialogue options allow you to kind of be like, This is your curse now, bro.
0: Mm. So, yeah. And then credits roll, and probably one of my favorite parts of the game is in the credits, all of the little side quests have a little credit sequence where it describes like how things end. Yeah, I did not finish any of my uh, <laughs> party member's side quests, and let mm-hmm. me tell
1: you, they're all depressing.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, Rin is like, yeah, one day she got to be 30, and she was like, shit, I don't even remember the last time I tried to figure out how to get home. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's it's bad it's mm-hmm. messed up
1: yeah um uh, that one i had uh Iretus, who's you know he's the guy who's possessed by two uh demons i never figured out how to get those demons out of him um and so they just ate him alive and he perished like in a hole somewhere
0: uh Tiber did not have a credit sequence which i assume he just got off scot-free for all of his criminal you know, he's just, like, stole a criminal somewhere. So that's fine. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Alagurn um, spent his last moments as his... Ta- like, he died with his tattoos screaming. Yeah. I got his ending, too. Mm.
1: Since, since I guess he's technically a recruitable party member. I don't, I don't yeah. actually
0: know why I got his ending. Um, uh, of course, all of the cast... last ca- All of the, like, cast-off... Um, characters like Makina doesn't get an ending because Makina does not exist. Yeah, she got absorbed. She got absorbed.
1: Yeah, the first like went off and did what she was supposed to do, and occasionally did bad, but mostly did good. The end. Mm. What did uh, the daughter do?
0: Um, this the exact same thing. Uh, it was it was kind of a uh, you know her the tales of her good deeds and evil deeds are still the envy of all heroes and villains. Cool. It's like the, the last, um, the last line. Um, I got to admit, would have loved to read the, to experience this as a choose-your own adventure book. Yeah, like a paperback Goosebump style choose-your own adventure book. I would have been very pleased with. Could have, could have lit a couple candles. Could have got my uh, headlamp. Could have tucked myself into my bed. Could have, could have had all the lights off and just kind of read. Torment, Colon, Tides of Numenera. And uh and I think I would have been pretty happy with
1: that. I mean, I think this game would be perfectly awesome as um just as those like interstitial visual novelty kind of parts.
0: Yeah, as the mirrors. Yeah. Just do mm-hmm. the whole
1: thing, ten hours of that. Mm-hmm. It'd be good.
0: Yeah. I'd just play, uh it'd, it'd and you could like spend all of, of the uh, all of the budget on, you know, the the immense amount of visual art which god knows how many people how many human hours were lost how many how many children were like not seen to uh to see these like like the 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 little veins on in the in the inside of the bloom so you could see them twitch imagine just like paying artists to like illustrate all of the little parts of the uh of the visual novel aspects
1: Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, I think that the story of this, although I don't know about like how it wraps itself up, I'm not necessarily hype about that. But like, in the broadest
0: strokes, this is a good story. In a cool setting. I think the setting is cool. I think the story which I think we talked about this before, I would have liked a little bit more just a tiny bit tighter focus. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the story would have done well like there's this whole half of the game where I'm just trying to get to the story and I think the story's big enough that the whole game could have been dedicated to it right mm-hmm. um but the problem was that it set itself in the footsteps of Planescape which was a, at the, at its core like a mystery and I think that this game I don't know if mystery is the correct genre for the, to, in terms of the way to experience this game. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it is playing in the shadow of Planescape Torment because what can change the nature of a man animates the entire back half of that game. Mm-hmm. And there is not a phrase, even though at the end they do try to make a phrase and now I can't even think of what it is. <laughs> um, but that does not have the same... I don't care about the changing God in the same way that I I care about uh, like what's going on with the nameless one in his history.
0: Sure, I think that this that's the thing is like the you had this memento situation with Planescape. I think that the way I envision in envision um, Torment Tides of Numenera is this is a uh, this is a very similar to like. Siege of Dragons this is way closer to Siege of Dragonspear than Planescape Torment. Right? Yeah. This yeah. is about a grand political struggle. And about the fate of the universe and like two factions like facing off against each other and your role in that to like determine how it all ends up. Um that felt bigger to me, and it tried to be like, oh, but you're very important, but as you just said Like, the thing that's really important about you, the fact that you can change time, like the past with mirror casters, is mentioned once and then immediately forgotten.
1: Yeah, and I didn't say this earlier, but I think the reason for that, that in the end, is that that is the changing god's power, and so that should signal to us that there is not another actual changing god. It's just us, because we still have that power. Yeah. But that only makes sense at the very end, and doesn't... Like, I don't know when you would have solved that at some point, Mm -hmm. right?
0: No, that's Um, the thing, is I think that in order for fiction to work in terms of, like, a mystery, you gotta solve it before the end credits right like that yeah. like the revelation has to come before the end of the experience right i, I don't know how
1: i and just randomly playing the game and maybe if i had you know maxed out every side quest i would have a better sense of it but i don't know how i could have solved that on my own and that's like mm-hmm. a good mystery right a good mystery you can as, as a viewer or experiencer you can always be one step ahead of the thing you're watching mm-hmm. right this is why i find like a traditional mystery is much more compelling. In my opinion, than something like Westworld, which continually just re- changes the rules of the game, sure, um, in order to animate its mystery and keep it pushing down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good mystery is you can there are, you have a bunch of pieces in front of you, and you can make very smart, educated
0: guesses about what's going to happen. And sometimes you're right because the all the pieces were there. But what so, it gives you is the ability to appreciate it after it comes in. And be like, oh, I saw these individual puzzle pieces, and now they fit together. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's like what Westworld trades on entirely, right? Is sure. Like, oh, oh, it's all retrojective. But for me, that's only half the half of the the kind of play of the thing. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I think the difference is in the Westworld example you're using. The like, you'll see a piece, but you're like. Oh, but that wasn't a whole piece. That like it, this is actually like a different object altogether. So that's why the mystery has this completely different composition. I think that what we both want is something where we can see these individual clues and we can either, you know, guess correctly and interpret them or if not see how they fit together as a whole given the clues instead of oh, there's all this outside information you were never privy to. Um, in any case, I do, I think it's just, uh, it didn't really land with me. I think that it's, I, it's way cooler. Hey, let me tell you this. I am glad we did this episode and I'm glad we did this series as a podcast. And one of the reasons I am glad is I think that listening to us talk about this might be cooler than the game. <laughs> I definitely would not have made it all the way through this game again. (laughs) I think that if you were to experience this game one way and you have listened to this podcast, I think you're good.
1: Yeah, I don't think you need to like go and do this on your own. Mm -hmm. I think you could, if you really want it, go watch like someone who's Let's Playing the whole thing. Sure. So you can fast forward through the parts you don't care about.
0: Mm -hmm. Or watch a streamer. God, how many let's go to Twitch right now.
1: And if you uh mm-hmm. you know, if you don't like that, you don't feel that's good, buy the game mm-hmm. and then go watch someone stream it. Mm-hmm. You know? Give the developers their money, that's fair.
0: Yeah, how many people are streaming this? Torments, tides. Let's see. Uh Torments, tides of Numenera. Um there are no channels found. Let's look at videos. Um the last video This was a casual playthrough. It has two views. Um, It was four days ago. And it looks like... Yeah. There are six videos on Twitch featuring this game. Uh, Five of them have zero views.
1: Well, the next game we're doing is Icewind Dale. (laughs) Uh, We're much more excited about that. We're going to take a a break. We're going to take probably a month break. Uh, not not a full month, but we'll mm-hmm. skip a episode. Yeah,
0: uh, we'll skip so a episode. I think we decided we're not gonna do the typical wrap up episode because we've been we've editorialized fairly fairly regularly during this playthrough about kind of our opinions about the 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 storyline and our and our, our general impressions. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um so
1: yeah, we're, we're, we'll skip one episode, but we're skipping one episode for you so we can get ahead one episode on our end. Perfect. Um, and I don't think Icewind Dale will be... It'll probably be 10 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. This was episode 60. You, If you like the show, you can support us on Patreon. You can look at the, dis- the link in the description below. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a podcast version of Mages and Murder dads that you can find if you're listening to this on the... Um, uh, podcast version go and go to the video and just click the thumbs up button at uh, youtube.com range touch that would help us out a lot um, hit subscribe if you haven't hit subscribe already if you're at the end of episode 60 of the show uh, think about subscribing why don't you mm. <laughs> Be beneficial and if you have already subscribed hit that thumbs up button hit the like um, and maybe share this on twitter or facebook or something like that uh, we don't pay any money for advertising, so it would be great uh, you know, if you would spread it around via word of mouth. You can listen to our monthly show that me and Michael Lutz do that's supported by the Range Touch Network. It's called Game Studies Study Buddies. We read game studies texts and talk about them for incredibly long amounts of time. Our next book up uh, after this episode comes out will be Alexander Galloway's Gaming, Essays and Algorithmic Culture. You might enjoy that. And, of course, uh, the normal range touch crew, me and Danny, have a uh, helpful homunculi, which is a show that is about running tabletop games. We're going to have the third episode of that coming out toward the end of this month. Mm, mm, mm. If you want to hear us it. talk even more, you can go to our, our Patreon. You can support it for $5 a month. That'll get you an extra
0: podcast where we just talk about whatever. Newsletter and uh, and other fun stuff. Have we announced the uh, the new tier that we're planning? No, we need to talk about that off air. Okay, okay. So so tune in for that. Tune in, mm-hmm. nerds
1: um and you can find me on twitter twitter.com slash kunzelman twitter.com slash range touch give us a follow we all tweet about things that matter for range touch people you can also find us on instagram uh where i made some funny videos uh a month ago basically whenever we're together uh physically i uh will make instagram videos and i put them up there'll probably be some up this weekend that that uh that'll show up after this episode comes out, so. uh, the
0: the the yearly the yearly con mm-hmm. range touchathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. Probably should have a different name. Yeah, uh, we can need to. Where they find you on the internet? <laughs> um, just just clear your mind when you're on Google's homepage, and then close the window, and then go to your bed, and just lay down, and I will come to you in your dreams.
1: That seems bad. <laughs> that seems like. That's not good at all <laughs> it seems very scary okay mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's it for this episode come back in uh, about a month and we'll have another episode for you we'll be starting Icewind Dale thanks mm. so much for listening and we're never going to talk about this game again
0: it's it's gone it's we didn't even do this don't mention it ciao in the year of the church, a great host will come for like a plague of locusts don't say wise Alondo Shadows descend upon the lands. Our divine laws will walk alongside us as he walks. So saith the great world